Welcome to Cosmic Brilliance, folks. I'm really excited about today's show because my experienced, multi-talented guest, Ileana, the Star Traveler, will continue to reveal exact groundbreaking details on more advanced tech found in currently activating space arcs that she personally visited, as well as what's in the ancient hall of records that are scattered around the world and also off-planet, like on Venus. Please review part one, detailed introduction that explains Ileana's bio, because we're not going to take the time today, since we have 27 questions that I'm requiring Ileana to be precise in answering for us. And we want to get to that as soon as possible. So not only is Ileana the star traveler, a member of one of the oldest cedar races named the Elves, but she has many multidimensional abilities and one of the highest remote viewing scores at 90% accuracy rate. So grab your kids, family, friends, settle in and listen to these historical facts that you will be discovering about your exciting galactic human heritage. And please be proactive and share both part one and two classes. And it will be the public unveiling of two million year old crystal artifacts and advanced technologies, as well as like and subscribe if you feel that you've benefited from this. And I am certain you will. Ileana is a star traveler who is certified as a Native American shaman, psychic, crystal healer, energy healer, past life regressionist, soul retrieval and hypnosis practitioner, Kashuk record reader, and secret space program insider. She is also a successful self-published author on Amazon with multiple books, and these two books that we have gone through and I've extracted questions for her volume one and two are available on Amazon. So please look there for those. Just a quick reminder again, folks, that due to the exact specifics and details that I've asked Ileana for, her accurate answers require us due diligence and will be necessary for Ileana's precise and scientific nature to mostly read the answers she wrote from that two-volume series. So I know it's not always easy to listen to someone reading, but we ask that you have patience with this in this manner. Welcome back, Ileana. You are the cosmic, brilliant, traveling universal encyclopedia if I've ever seen one. (laughs) Oh, thank you. It's nice to be back with you, Marilee. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) Just got back from the Mount Shasta uh, uh, Summer Conference, and I'll share that in my next show because we want to get right to your exciting answers about the Giza hidden technology and how it works. So let's get right to it. Mm-hmm. Let's pick up where we left off in part one to continue sharing about the previous hidden technology that you recalled from your past life as Calypso, who was a pyramid project leader, priest, architect, and alchemist. I'm also thrilled that you will be sharing with our audience the most prized technology in the Egyptian Atlantean Hall of Records that has never been shared in a public show before. So please take your time, Ileana, covering as many details as you can. Yeah, so when I was Calypso in my past life in Egypt, I had helped to build the Atlantean, Egyptian Atlantean Hall of Records, 
9,564 BC within the range of the Sphinx on the Giza Plateau, though it is not specifically located close to the left paw, as everyone thinks, so the Egyptian Atlantean Hall of Records is a little bit further away. And Calypso had built two chambers where the Egyptian Hall of Records are hidden. Two chambers, folks. Wow. And he likely had to play a role and hide things because he was a complicated man and he hid puzzles in the hardest places to find in these chambers and Hall of Records. So for one to discover those records, one must be able to figure out the hieroglyphic puzzle piece map where the hieroglyphic pieces line up with the floors, walls, ceilings, mazes, and antechambers of the underground complex. So just imagine, it's a huge Egyptian hall of records with Atlantean artifacts, a lot of technology, and you have to find everything through the maps, everything through the puzzles written on the floor, the walls, the ceilings. It's amazing. So when deciphered, this information reveals all the locations of the Atlantean Hall of Records and their entrances, where they are. And there's more than one, not just in Egypt, there's others. So we're going to talk about one of the most prized technology in the Egyptian Atlantean Hall of Records, which are the Ruby Refractory Telescopes. So these telescopes that are powered by the refractory calibrated rubies allow to temporarily remove the cloaked shielding on the moon and Mars bases that has to do with the secret space program, as well as the space stations. When these ruby telescopes are turned on, you can change the light bands and the refraction beams, by tuning the specific frequencies, these bases and stations then become visible as solid matter to Earth and the humans. So we can actually see them when they're unmasked with these telescopes. And these telescopes have previously been deeply hidden in the depths of the underground chambers in the Atlantean Hall of Records in Egypt, and those chambers are filled with mazes that will send most people looking for them on a wild goose chase because everything is so configured to keep it hidden. Hmm. Yes, it's it was designed that way. So only the people who are meant to find these chambers will find them who are tuned in genetically to this information from their past lives. They'll have access to this. So the Egyptian Hall of Records also has many tablets that are covered in alloys, metal, stone, and crystal technology, which through the holographic interfaces describe the history of ancient Earth and humanity coexisting with the various extraterrestrials in the land of Moon, Lemuria, and Atlantis. So we humans have a strong galactic history on Earth going back 450,000 years ago, even before that. It's amazing. There are also descriptions mentioned in these Hall of Records of the carvings, tablets with languages, jewelry, gold, musical instruments, linens, tapestries, various artworks, artifacts, crystalline tools, and crystal eggs that, when activated, 
show holographically the past history of planetary events on these holographic interfaces, history from Mars, from Earth, Venus, Neptune, and other planets in our solar system. It's like seeing a movie with both the audio and video being narrated in narration. It it almost makes you feel like you're there. You're part of the history. It's amazing. So this egg crystal technology, again, shows an ancient sophisticated civilization with white pyramid cities and flying hovercrafts. And Elena Denon had also seen something similar like this. So this corroborates this information because she's talked about it in previous shows. The Sphinx has many underground tunnel systems with white or green lighting along the walls, and it makes you seem like it's luminescent, like you're walking in a healing space. It's so calm and beautiful and soothing. So one set of corridors has carvings along the walls, which lead up to the Pyramid of Khafra, and a side corridor going to an ark ship or another Hall of Records site. There is also a room with what looks like a futuristic chair in it, and apparently there are stasis beings who actually have blue skin in the space arc, as there are in Antarctica as well. And I had briefly seen these beings in the stasis pods, crystalline stasis pods in Antarctica, and they were sleeping in stasis, and their souls can awaken within us and interact with who we are because they are us. They're part of us. They're the soul keys. Such an amazing connection we have with these beings. Wow. Okay. So describe that. So these, their, their avatars or bodies are in these stasis chambers, but when you walk up to them and you activate them, they're aware you're there and you carry on a telepathic conversation with their soul. Yes, yeah, some, some of them can have a telepathic conversation with you if they're attuned to your DNA frequency. If you're soul family, you'll connect. And the, the, they've been here for millions of years, some of them in these stasis pods, and they're waiting for our ascension process. They're here to guide us. They're, they're like the cedars. They're part of the ancient cedars and the founder races as well. Which, of course, you are as well. Now, you mentioned that stasis pods and arcs must have the soul light keys. Can you define for our audience what light keys are? So light keys are beings that are genetically connected to their soul origins of past lives that can activate these arc ships and connect with these ancestral beings in the stasis pods. So light keys are those beings that have awareness of these past lives connected to these beings in the arcs. So it's genetic soul frequency alignment. So they basically have their body there, but they're taking off astral traveling, doing whatever, going to any galaxy they want pretty much having a full life in their multidimensionality other than their uh, avatar being at rest. Is that correct? Yes. The soul can splinter off into many different pieces, if you will, and have experience somewhere else. The soul is not just one focal point. It can have many different experiences in parallel lifetimes, alternative universes, 
And sometimes the the souls are very much aware of the similarities because they're part of one soul, but they're sharing a different, unique perspective, yet being aware of each other because their soul sparks at the same soul, but in different bodies or realities. So, and you can communicate telepathically with each other. I'm aware of my higher selves, Janae and Miara, and they're part of my soul family. They have some portions of me that are very similar to me and some differences, but I recognize them on my soul frequency. So cool. So cool. Talk about living full multidimensionality. So like Elena Denon and John Charles Moyan and you, Ileana, due to your Atlantean Calypso DNA and your source L Cedar origin, I imagine you are all protected by some kind of guardians when you remote view or astral travel because I remember Elena mentioned that she was met by a feline leonine being guardian who let her pass when she was visiting the Egyptian Hall of Records. So do you think that there are these guardians or similar ones who could also be guarding the other types of halls of records that could be on other planets as well? I'm sure there can be. Yes, some of us have these guardians. Uh, mine are the Elrays, Anea. She's one of my guardians and she has blue skin and she has the ability to shape shift biologically on a molecular scale. So she's one of my guardians. How cool is that? Now, um, is she the one that took you to Venus? Yes, she had. And it was traveling through the Akashen ship that can travel multidimensionally. And it's a biological ship with a lot of crystalline technology on it that can go to multiple universes. It could go forwards in time, backwards in time in the present timeline. So it is a time traveling ship as well. Wow. Can you describe anything you experienced uh, on Venus? I um, Yes, I saw many different citadels, crystalline looking citadel structures with green and blue colors. And I went inside and I worked with the crystalline technology to see various histories of the universe and other planets. And I just remember wearing like a smart suit and being able to adapt to the environment wherever I went on Venus, because some places are colder, some are warmer, some are more desolate with mountainscapes. There's still lakes and water in some areas and some not so much uh, because Venus doesn't have a full atmosphere. It does have some and you can walk around on it as where as long as you're wearing a special smart suit that filters oxygen, the air and monitors your health capacity. Wow. Mm -hmm. So she guided you, if I have this right, she's a 16th dimensional being, and she took you to the Citadel Hall of Records on Venus to interact with the crystalline disc technology. Now, how did that get activated? What did she show you? Like, how do you act? This got energetically activated with genetics and the frequency codes for me to interact with the disk technology. So it's it's all based on frequency energy and genetic compatibility because I'm part of the L race. 
and she's a descent and she's the owl race herself. She's a descendant of the ancient builder races. So she's part of the original, you could say cedars or founders who were here billions of years ago and started creation and forming these planets and earth and then started seeding humans and life forms and plants and animals. So we go way, way back in creation. It's amazing. Uh, so cool. I'm so excited for people to finally discover their true galactic history. It is just so exciting. Now, when you said it's activated by your DNA frequencies, does that also include sound and color or melodies or or, or not so much? It could be either of that. So um, basically, the stasis pods, the arcs, the soul keys, they can be activated by light frequency, by music, by sound, by color. That's why they're called the light keys. And I, for me, I had seen these different stasis pods, which are cylindrical round devices that can allow living bodies and souls to stay in prolonged sleep duration cycles without having any physical damage to the bodies that I had seen in Antarctica. I didn't see bodies on Venus, but I saw guardians. I saw guardians with pale silver skin and in robes. So a lot of these ancient places have guardians on different planets. And again, for in the Atlantean outposts in Antarctica, there were the crystalline stasis pods in the Atlantean outposts that allow the souls to have full awareness of what is happening in the universe. While they are in stasis, they are can be fully aware of what's going on and even psychically interact with us. So the light keys are the human incarnates that are connected to the cedar races who can consciously teleport into the space arcs because they are genetically compatible with the frequencies of the arc ships. Like I was able to enter the citadel structures with Anea because I have Atlantean past lives and I'm connected to the L race and the ancient builder races. So I can go inside these places and some of the arc ships as well. Oh my gosh, would I love to be a fly on the wall. So let's talk about the Romanian Sphinx that I recommended everyone read the Transylvanian series published by Peter Moon in part one. Can you share how old the Carpathian Romanian Romanian Sphinx is, who built it and why? So the Romanian Sphinx was built about 2 million years ago by the Meldakians who lived on the planet Maldak was destroyed, this planet was destroyed about 500,000 years ago during the various wars that happened in our solar system. So it goes back a long way. So the Maldakians had been one of the off-world civilizations that had been living on the planet Maldak that created their original Atlantean outposts on Earth, along with the underground tunnel systems. So as has been mentioned, All these Meldakian tunnels are connected worldwide and the chambers house the Meldakian base technologies. This tunnel network allowed easy travel from one Meldakian base to the other and to travel to the Atlantean outposts without being seen or noticed. So at that time, um, the Meldakians and the Atlanteans, they did not want the Neanderthals' topside 
on Earth to see the different ET species which were living on Earth at that time that were facilitating the Atlantean genetic projects. So they had a code of non-interference with the evolving humans, but they were genetically upgrading them on their ascension process. The Neanderthals were not to be interfered with, just energetically uplifted and genetically evolving because they were still evolving as human beings and did not see beings different from them in looks and mind abilities, but their genetics were still being upgraded and evolved from a distance energetically. The Neanderthals were to be experimented on by the Maldakians for the purpose of upgrading the Neanderthal DNA to eventually become us Homo sapiens. And this was done successfully because we are here and we are continuing to evolve. So 40,000 years ago, the Carpathian Romanian Sphinx was built as a marker on Earth. It was a signal where the main Maldakian bases were located with the underground facilities for housing the advanced technologies like energy source portals that can take people off world or to other points on Earth. Um, their wormhole technology generators could also activate wormholes and transfer someone to another galaxy. This is what this technology allows to do. They were neuralink chairs which have Atlantean DNA source coding hieroglyphics, which can be activated by the genetic descendants from Atlantis, like me, if I want, in order to see past, near present, or future events that will be happening. The Neuralink chairs can locate the frequencies of planetary portal systems with the augmented beings that operate them, which also allows to open the natural portals and other time travel technologies. So another Maldakian underground base and Stargateway portal is under the Amaromoru surface structure in Peru that looks like a door. So it's a carved keyhole door in the side of a mountain. And it's near Lake Titicaca, which is very spiritual. And astral traveling there was so phenomenal. It's, it's like going home and getting healed. That's what Peru feels like to me. Mm -hmm. So I astral traveled and also bilocated physically to Amaromoru. And underneath, I discovered a structure that housed something called the Golden Sun Disk of Moon, which stands on a round-shaped disk dais that is made for pure gold. This Golden Sun Disk of Moon allows the ability to change planetary orbits and connect with crystalline technologies that could save planets from cataclysmic events that would that would or could destabilize the continual existence of evolving civilizations. The golden sun disk of Mu, made from pure gold, as I mentioned, is needed to continue to calibrate the Earth's magnetosphere and its tilt axis for stable planetary alignment of Earth. Well, now, folks, I'm going to include in this show exactly what that golden sun disk and what the locations that Ileana is sharing for you so that you will have visuals for those that aren't watching or listening to the podcast. So this seems like a really big deal. If it can 
prevent cataclysmic events. So how does the SunDisk technology activate and what else is it used for? And did you activate it and why? So the golden sun disk of Mo was built thousands of years ago by a space breakaway civilization that is no longer living on Earth. Um, And yes, I did connect with it and I sort of activated it to get to know what its energy was about. So for me, the golden sun disk of moon was a cosmic mechanism that aligned the Earth and our solar sun to the great central sun of our galaxy and the light frequencies and light rays coming in. So it adjusts and balances that for our planet as well. This is important for keeping the planetary energies in sync with each other. From what I know, the golden sun disk of moon was brought to Amara Moru for safety from the ancient land of moon by the priests, who knew that the cataclysm would occur due to the dark days of the Atlantean technology that had threatened the stability of the motherland, moon, eventually causing the tsunami waves and the upheaval that filled the land and created Lake Titicaca. This is a huge lake. It's in high altitude. The golden sun disk of moon was used by the priests and priestesses of moon to attune the frequencies of soul creation to the stars and correct the alignment of earth to the cosmos. These alignments have become out of kilter sometimes due to cataclysms, due to planetary orbit changes, or due to interference in the firmament by outside ETs or something else sometimes. And this would affect the tilt of the body of Earth. And the golden sun disk of Moon was kept in a hall high up on the mother mountain where people could track to attune themselves to the beautiful golden light rays that emanated from the central sun of our galaxy. So people could openly see this golden sun disk and work with its energies and frequencies to heal, to meditate. And it allowed them to become more aligned with their deep soul light and unite the collective consciousness of society. They would become more relaxed, peaceful, and gain a profound sense of oneness with all that is through this golden ray healing that they experienced. So this golden sun disk of moon, it has eight buttons on the circular dais or platform and symbols that can be activated through the frequency light spectrums that glow holographically from the disk. When I activated the proper sequence codes on the disk with these buttons, I traveled through those activated golden rays via the connection with the sun disk gateway portal where I went to the Andromeda galaxy. There I met the Andromedans on a multi-tiered three-deck space station that was powered by a graviton generator. So a huge generator that powers the space station and it orbited a planet with two moons. The planet was mostly oceans with small islands The sky was pink and purple. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. On the space station, I was given my mission instructions on how to reprogram and activate the golden sun disk of moon in a way that would shift Earth's polarity and access to prevent the Earth cataclysms and cataclysmic disasters that would have occurred within a 50-year time span of our current reality. 
And none of these cataclysms have appeared. So I think we successfully have avoided that from happening. Wow. So is, uh, excuse me for interrupting, but is this one of your major jobs and other significant cedars that are incarnated here is to help avoid cataclysms of this nature? That is so huge. Sometimes, yes. And I do this work quietly. I don't really discuss it openly because I'm not seeking fame. I'm not here for to show heroism. I'm here to just quietly do the work that I do as a, one of the earth guardians and the light keys and soul keys. And there's others like me, I'm sure, um, that are doing their sacred work to keep us safe and to keep this beautiful light on the planet. Um, so after this was done, I then returned back to the ancient metal tunnels under Amaramuru on Earth, where the huge gold reflective sun disk remained suspended within the sun temple in the underground structure. My mission was to telepathically interact, interact with the sun disk to help shift Earth's polarity and axis to complete my mission, so to put the axis back in normal tilt. I was able to reprogram the disk by pressing the eight symbols on the sun disk in a certain order to activate that desired outcome energetically while studying the frequency light spectrums that glowed holographically from the disk. After the disk was programmed, I was to return to the Andromedans to continue learning from them. It felt like I stayed there for almost two months. Wow. Double wow. That is an important mission. And how, if I may ask, how did you know what symbols to press in what order? Is this part of all your natural abilities and your ability to access intuitive? Yeah, yeah I was psychically and intuitive, intuitively connected to the symbols. That's how I knew how to interact with them and work with them. Wow, this is so exciting. This is the first time that humans uh, get to know this. Uh, I did travel to Lake Titicaca, and I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's the oldest, I mean, it's the largest freshwater lake that occurred after this cataclysm. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. It's very mysterious, and it has a lot of spiritual things that are there. Oh, yes. And it has these amazing islands that are made of reeds that you actually walk on and they have pigs and just the people sleep there. And you actually like, it's like this much. I I thought I was going to go through into the water, but it was so much fun. It's an amazing high frequency place. So does Amaru Muru have the same advanced technologies in that underground base as the Romanian Carpathian Sphinx that you just mentioned? Yes, except the Carpathian Romanian Sphinx looks more like a large crystal skull, and the Amaru Muru looks like a carved doorway with a large keyhole in the middle, um, as we can see from some of your beautiful pictures. It's, it's, it's an amazing sight. Just imagine seeing a mountain, right? And in there is a huge door with a keyhole. And it looks brown and there's vegetation and there's other structures beside it that are ancient and in those spaces. So both locations are halls of records, which include symbols of portal systems 
and universal knowledge library repositories that hold the history of how Atlantis was created, as well as the creation of Lemuria and Mu with the holographic evidence how this was done on Earth. So even Peru is part of the ancient Atlantean civilizations that migrated from Atlantis to Peru when Atlantis fell. So in both these locations, this information is stored on the crystalline disks and also on crystalline supercomputer systems in these tunnels, Maldakian tunnels, having holographics that are embedded within the walls of the tunnels in the underground halls of records that the Maldakians had built. Whoa. This is the best descriptions ever. I feel like I'm right there uh, on this journey with you. So describe for our audience how big those crystalline disks are and how were they activated? Is it a combo of DNA codes, telepathy, soul intent? How How does one do that? Sure. So these crystalline disks basically contained the histories of planets. Mars, Moon, Earth, and other planets in your solar system. And the histories are stored on a disk about the size of two hand spans. And these disks are obviously circular in shape. So they're circular and they're very smooth to the touch when you hold them in your hand and connect with them psychically and you see the holographic information. And the disks are activated by holding them again in your hands and telepathically asking to see specific things like the planet and what historical events were happening there. If I wanted to see Mars, I could ask to see Mars in its history as an example. So these crystalline disks, then you can search through them for, for the information that you're looking for. You just think about specific piece of information and this information holographically appears on the disk. So it's visually floating above the disk and you see this and you interact with it. So I would say that the activation of the crystalline disks does involve a combo of compatible DNA frequency codes, my DNA frequency connecting to the holographics, telepathy, and also the soul intent. You have to be very positive to connect with this ancient technology in order to get it to function and resonate in concurrence with the soul of the person that is connecting to it. Well, and that, of course, uh, serves as a safety feature, too, mm-hmm. that you don't get someone from, from a lower frequency activating these. So how big is the visual? Is it Does it appear where you can actually step into it? Is it more like you going like this, you know, playing with it? How, how big is that whole? Well, yeah, it could be the size of a room. I never went through it because I would look at the star systems. I would mostly interact with star maps. Uh, I would see different animals, their genetic pedigree, different civilizations of beings. I wanted to see the planets formation, what was on the planets, the histories. So it's almost like looking at the universe through a live cam, like a large telescope, like the Hubble, for example, and seeing everything in vivid color. That's how it felt like to me. This is so cool because hopefully all this, well, it is being available to the civilians right now because of these shows. And thank you, Ileana. 
And hopefully this will be given to everyone and there will not be any questions about our amazing history, (laughs) galaxy, universal travels and multiple species we've worked with. I'm so excited. Now, the underground tunnels that I hear about in my research, including uh, in the Transylvation series, they always seemed, like you said, to have a phosphorescent frequency, but no one can apparently find the source of that. So tell me about the underground tunnels in Amaru Muru and um, mm-hmm. how that worked. If you Well, can. yeah, and I find uh, Radha Cinemar's Transylvania Sunrise and Peter Moon's looks amazing. And it's so similar to the Amaru Muru stuff in the descriptions. So what I found that under Amaru Muru Stargateway Portal... The tunnels have crystalline holographic computers that are linked to the metallic-like walls of the tunnels. Those computers are activated with glowing colors of green, yellow, and blue symbols that look similar to the Egyptian or Sumerian, the Sumerian hieroglyphic symbols. These holographic computers provide map coordinates of where the different uh, MALDEP tunnel systems lead to on Earth and the universal knowledge of Earth's historical events, like how Atlantis, Lemuria, and Mu were created, as well as people's Akashic records and past life experiences could be accessed as well through this technology. And the light sources under Amaramuru underground tunnels, this phosphorescent frequency is powered by the Maldakian nacelle mini-generators, that give unlimited energy sources to power the lighting systems within these tunnels. And what I discovered is that the Maldakian nacelle mini-generators are embedded inside the tunnel wall systems. This is why the sources of those power generators are never seen in the walls, because it's all inside. So there you have it. Now, nacelle is spelled N-A-C-E-L-L-E, mini generators. Yeah, nacelles, like, you know, nacelle. Okay. And they're, so these tunnels are actually a metal alloy? Yeah, some of them are metallic alloy. Yeah, there's some of them are metallic alloys. Some of them are made from rocks and carvings. It depends which hall of records you're inside. Wow. This is so fascinating. Every time you say something, like 40 more questions come up like, oh, my God. So Peter Moon's books, which I know we both loved, um, talked about these tunnels leading to various places like the Basidji Mountains, the Giza Plateau, the Inner Earth, Tibet, Iraq, etc. So there are many tunnel systems, right, that connect all of this? Is that what you found? Yes, I did. There are many tunnels, tunnel systems and connections ranging from going from Amaramuru to under the Sphinx in the Giza Plateau to the Basaji Mountains, Tibet, Inner Earth, Antarctica, and much more. Oh my gosh. Now, do you have any knowledge of the third tunnel in the Transylvania series that goes to Tibet the location and what the tech is there. Um, I have a note here that says on page 499 of volume one of your book, which is just uh, uh, showed, you said that Jean-Charles Moyen had portaled to a location under Mount Kailash in Tibet, 
where there were Tibetan temples. And there was also a space arc ship along with stasis beings, which were the same as what had been described inside the space arcs you visited in Antarctica, where there is a liquid blue round portal close to the ceiling of the craft that uh, uh, Jean-Charles said uh, was kind of sucks him up and takes him immediately to the other arc ships. These portals are connect. So uh, do you have anything else that you can share about that? So I'm not super familiar with the third tunnel that goes to Tibet myself, other than what Jean-Charles Moyen had described in his interview with Michael Sala and what I had transcribed from that interview as notes credited to him in my books. So he had seen this beautiful sort of watery like blue liquid essence that activates the portals. You can go through the portal sequences. You can end up in the halls of records. You can end up in the arc ships and all of these portal systems are super interconnected energetically So as a psychic, from what I can sense in the information that I'm receiving based on your question for that is that there are crystalline mirror-like glass-looking refractory technologies that are triggering the creation of these mini portal systems to activate, especially in the mountain caverns. These mini portal systems interweave their energetic frequencies, the energy mixes in, thereby forming connections with the larger portal networks that lead to places like Tibet and continue to interconnect with all of the other portals. Smaller, bigger ones, they interconnect together to the various space arcs and those beautiful ships as well as the halls of records on Earth and other planets in the local solar systems of our beautiful Milky Way galaxy and Andromeda galaxy. Well, thank you for that. It's kind of like following energetic highways that connect up as a huge interconnecting cosmic web, both on planets and extending out into space, kind of as above, so below. And I feel like our meridians are even in our own bodies are connected to that ley lines, all of it. So how is the advanced technology under the Carpathian Romanians thinks similar to what you saw when you were sent on a special mission to Antarctica? So when I had gone to Antarctica, uh, I had seen that there is holographic technology on the walls within the chambers of the Carpathian Sphinx and in the Antarctica Atlantean outposts. So that's very similar to the Carpathian Sphinx as there are crystalline disks that store universal knowledge in libraries of the histories of planets, including the Earth, Moon, Mars, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, Neptune, Mercury, where the ancient builder races had their colonies and arcships. They also had their portal technologies going to different places on Earth, where the Atlantean halls of records were located in Bimini, in Bermuda, and also in other places in other worlds. So it's like, Bermuda Triangle is a huge, it was a huge Atlantean outpost. So these advanced technologies that were found under the Romanian Sphinx and then, and also in these beautiful Atlantean outposts in Antarctica, they both utilize the crystalline disks along with holographic interfaces 
to see what is being stored on these disks. This is how these technologies are similar to each other because they show how everything is interconnected and intertwined in the universe. Absolutely. And how important crystalline power sources and technology has always been and will continue to be. Mm-hmm. So um, now describe for our audience, what does it look like when these portals activate? It can look like a watery liquid, or it could look like just like you're seeing something else on the other side. And the portal technology has plasma field arcs around it. When the circular metallic like discs are activated, you see the frequencies, you see the energies. The person walks through the blue colored plasma field, if that's what it looks like, or it could look like another color in the portal system. And it transports you to the various locations on Earth or other planetary systems. That's amazing. Now, you were uh, a secret space program asset for the planetary cores and stationed in our Antarctica as well. You wrote in your book, let me uh, check here so that I have that right, that in 2018, Brett Stewart remote viewed the most significant relic in Antarctica. So, boy, drum roll, would you share for the first time publicly what that most significant relic was, please? Sure. Yeah, it's considered to be a very significant find, obviously. And I had talked about this in the two book volumes. Um, I described how I had been an SSP asset doing a 16 back quantum leap time dilation program in PLC planetary corporations on the Mars basis, um, as well as the cybernetics technician that I was working in the cybernetics labs. So Brett Stewart's remote viewing was describing the aspects of what the human medical scientists are doing in Antarctica. They are mining a rare crystal mineral and studying the water, which allows to expand lifespans and heal things within the body. So basically, this rare mineral is mounted on a wand-type device. It allows for the performing, performing surgeries, those people performing the surgeries, the scientists, the healers, um, and it can heal medical ailments and altering the human psyche and even brain waves with an oscillating spectrum of light and sound frequencies that comes from this exotic mineral and the properties of the water itself. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is so, and this is the properties in Antarctica, in Antarctica specifically. Yes. So yeah. they're, they're extracting this rare type of minimal or mineral. Mm-hmm. And what do they do with it? So they're basically extracting the mineral in the water and then creating healing devices in the shapes of wands with crystals with this mineral, right? And the water. Um, And again, I know this from my SSP asset experiences, obviously having been sent to Antarctica by the PLC Corp, that they're doing this deep mining and extracting the rare type of water mineral to create the biological drug serums for life extension, life expansion. They're also currently perfecting this in a glass dome lab facility in Antarctica. 
And that was one of your specialties, cybernetics, drug serums, Neuralinks, mm-hmm. all of that. So I can see why they wanted to send you there too, not only for all your abilities, but your expertise. Super fascinating. These are the kind of tech that uh, for our health that I hope come out soon, slowly. And uh, I believe that this is the first time, folks, that this level of exact comprehensive details has been given to the public. And thank you so much, Ileana, for your willingness to precisely answer these questions from your own personal experiences and your remote viewing. I really appreciate it. So uh, the crystals and the crystalline technology, as we or you have been discussing, uh, seem to be the number one priority for multiple use applications and agendas in all various secret space programs along with emphasizing, albeit privately, the importance of developing consciousness and psionic abilities, which, of course, they sidelined and poo-pooed publicly, so people don't focus on that as prime importance. Hopefully, it has become more and more obvious to all of us in these last 20 years that consciousness is key and has always been key in activating and initiating everything, especially when it is developed. And crystalline technology, of course, amplifies multifold our thoughts and attentions. Do you agree with this? Yes, indeed. I think that the in the case of having crystals and the crystalline technology, it's what the SSPs are focusing their attention on for further developing, studying as energy sources of that are viable, right? To create healing tools, healing devices, as well as the more advanced technologies like spaceships that can go beyond the speed of light. They have that technology now. Um, So what Brett Stewart had remote viewed about harnessing crystalline technology, it's exactly what was also being done in the Atlantean outposts way before all of that stuff, because that crystalline technology is still there and Planetary Corp are trying to figure out how the medical devices work, like the crystalline Neuralink chairs, for example, that can literally cast your mind to the universe, help you to transport to other places, time travel with your consciousness. But some of these things that these crystalline Neuralink chairs do, just a little bit as an example. And again, it seems that Brent Stewart had confirmed for us what I had seen as well, that this work is currently being done in the glass domes and the Antarctica facilities where there is a space alliance base. And the PLC had mined the rare mineral in Antarctica. And they were using these glass dome lab facility place in Antarctica to study this advanced technology, this mineral, the water, the wands that they made. It's amazing. And do you have any guesstimate? Because I do know uh, that we're going to have to end up being more patient than we want to be. But I do know that you had mentioned in previous shows that you had access to the uh, PLC database. So do you have any idea when these kind of handheld devices might be coming out at all? Is there any guesstimate? I think 30, 40 years from now. 
and as well as the biological drug serums. Now, people are asking, when is the medical pods coming out? And I had seen that in these databases on Mars, in the PLC databases, the timeline was 300 years from now for Earth. And I, this still resonates for me as the timeline. I know that's sad for so many that are suffering. And uh, I'm just hoping that uh, through our consciousness, maybe we can speed that along. But I know that uh, your database has been accurate so far. So do you want to give us a little bit more information for our first time listeners about Neuralink chairs and, um, you know, how they are used, et cetera? Sure. Uh, so from what I understand, working with the crystalline Neuralink chairs, they are th- thought to be physical and thought consciousness, ancient technologies that can connect with beings' minds in order to augment their psionic abilities. And this is what comes from within us, these precious abilities, and increase people's intelligence to process large amounts of information. As well, the Neuralink implants that Planetary Corp has designed are neuronal devices, which are connected to nanotechnology with people's brains, neurons, and axons. The nanotechnology is beyond microscopic, so it's not microscopic. You can't see it on an MRI scan in the brain. It's it's such precise technology. So these Neuralink implants are partially etheric energy cores. That's why you can't see them on an MRI scan. And the rest is made from the nanotechnology, which is beyond microscopic and it cannot be easily detected, like I said, by MRI scanners or the other types of body scanning technology that currently exists on Earth. Now, um, this would be a good time since you have had so much uh, personal expertise with Neuralinks and yours, we won't get into all the details, but the gold had leaked and you uh, found out a way to heal yourself, uh, which is extraordinary and had some assistance with that. So I, I, I want you to express to the public that even though Neuralinks can be used in occasional ways like on pilots or with consciousness assisted ships, you you aren't pro Neuralink implants people. No, I'm not pro Neuralink or Neuralink. What Elon Musk is creating is called Neuralink on Earth and it's microchips going into people's brains, animals to get tested. I don't condone that and I think that has even been stopped preventing him from launching satellites that connect AI systems to these implants. I think that has been stopped. And that's not our human timeline anymore. We're not going the route of transhumanism. Uh, I think we are evolving organically and our organic bodies are sacred temples of life and light. Uh, Organic evolution is what ascension is all about. It's not transhumanism. It's not nanotechnology fusing with us organic humans. That's not where we're heading. That's not the reality we want to exist in. Thank you. Thank you for that, because that's important to share and for people to hear that. And I'm 100% in agreement with you. Now, we do know uh, Dan Willis, Elena Danon, uh, uh, Jen Han from the Galactic Federation of Worlds, they're all sharing these 
up and coming crystalline abilities that have been used in terraforming, self-healing, manifesting what we want. So this is perfect timing with all that we're learning from you today. I would imagine, aren't various countries vying to get in there, like in Antarctica for access to advanced tech, but most most likely not allowed to retrieve anything, I would imagine only study it. But of course, they're going to try to uh, remember with their memories. What do you know about that? What's allowed and what's not in the Atlantean outposts in Antarctica? Well, it's very interesting, but I don't think that any country on Earth would have access to the Atlantean outposts in Antarctica because this is very ancient technology that has been there in secret hiding for a long time. So I don't think that no one has access to the crystalline Neuralink chairs, as those are, again, restricted zones where Earth countries have no jurisdiction at all. Uh, The planetary corporations also could not remove or retrieve the ancient technologies that they, they had sent me to study, obviously, in Antarctica, along with some of the other SSP scientists. So I could only study the Neuralink chairs, the crystalline supercomputers, the crystalline stasis pods where the beings were in, I could study it, but I couldn't remove the beings from the stasis chambers. I couldn't touch them. I could only sense psychically who they are, but I wasn't to disturb anything. So I have, we had to respect that. You can study the ancient tech. You can try to figure out how it works and why, but you cannot remove it. It's, it, it has to do with non-interference laws. Um, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm really mm-hmm. happy. Um, y- you said no earth countries have jurisdiction to remove anything. So who has that jurisdiction? Does the Galactic Federation of Worlds or is this uh, controlled by the uh, intergalactic councils and cedars? And Yeah, so... Like I said, we could only study the ancient Atlantean technologies and perhaps later on at some point reverse engineer them on the Mars basis once we could fully understand how these technologies worked. But we were not allowed to take or retrieve anything in terms of technologies specifically from the Atlantean outposts in Antarctica. Um, Again, I do not think that anyone from Earth has the jurisdiction to remove any of the ancient technologies artifacts from Atlantean outposts as well. I'm not privy to what jurisdictions the Galactic Federation of Worlds has in regard to the Atlantean outposts. They probably would have to have an agreement with the Earth Defense Force and the Space Alliance so that they could have that type of access to what is in the Atlantean outposts because the Galactic Federation of Worlds does not interfere with planetary work that's happening. As long as we're not out to destroy ourselves, they don't really interfere in our human stuff, the research, the science. But they would want to protect the ancient technology, I would imagine, from getting into the wrong hands, obviously. Exactly. So it's not misused. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, no matter how tempting it is for (laughs) some. Yeah. Mm So, um, Now, I'm wondering if this could be the same water mineral that I think it was Randy Kramer, maybe Emery Smith, uh, Super Soldier, briefly mentioned to me on one of my shows when I asked him, I quote, I know we have technology that can clean up the oceans within months. 
And he said, yes, there is a special mineral that can be inserted and dragged behind ships in the ocean that has special properties to take toxins in the water um, and allow them to sink down to the bottom so they can do no harm to the wildlife and be able to clean the oceans in around three months. And I've been told by another well-known gentleman in the programs that we could probably clean all the oceans up in 1.5 months, not to mention the sky and the pollutants in the soil through terraforming using time dilation. And uh, I, in my own vision, was shown a tree growing in five minutes. And I also know there's a way to take all the trash back to zero point. Um, I believe Emery Smith might have mentioned that uh, could happen too. So have you heard anything about these two environmental advanced cleanup options? Because people need to get up to speed on what's available so they are no longer ignorant. Yeah, so I definitely think that there are the extraterrestrial zero-point technology for cleaning up planetary pollution. Um, and there, I have a bit of a description of how that works for us. So the Pleiadians have zero-point technologies that look like a blue field that is semi-translucent, and it has these energetic beams all around it. And that's what picks up the toxic pollution and garbage from the oceans in any other places on the planet, basically gathers the pollution and it's transported for a purification process that dissolves the toxins with the clean energies being transferred to the source field of all existence. So everything is clean, purified, and given back as pure energy for the universe to work with again. Um, and some of the ETs do have the bioterraforming technologies to regrow things like trees, terraform plants in order to recede the plants, the trees, the life forms. And many of the ETs build biodomes on their arc ships that have parks, lakes, rivers, plants, trees, as, long, as well as the grass that is green and it's lush. And there's this beautiful simulation of, of nature, you, you wouldn't even know that you're being on an ark ship because there are living habitats being created while you're traveling on these beautiful space ark ships. The Pleiadians and Andromedans have this ability to create bio-life and bio-life forms on, in these domed habitats with animals, plants, wildlife, forests, oceans sometimes aquatic systems. They can create any type of habitat that is living. It's exquisite. That is that is my memory also. And it's so important, folks, that you and your families keep learning about what is actually already invented and used by multiple species. Ancient technology revived that has the solutions for everything environmental cleanup fast, more efficient food, health rejuvenation, tech as well. And as parents and elders, we need to set an example and lead teaching our children what the schools aren't teaching them. Every young adult I have shared this with is excited and it enlivens their spirits and souls and brings hope back. So this is why we're doing these shows 
to get informed, to understand the tech we have, and to motivate these incredible leaders and children that are activating their full potentials to bring this kind of technology that many of them have resonant in their frequencies because they are galactic humans and bringing this forth into our new world. So thank you so much. Now, crystals and crystalline technology, as you stated multiple times in this show, are used in a variety of ways and healing being one of my passion. So um, can you talk about that for healing? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I do a lot of energy healing. And that's a passion for me as well. And I work with crystals. So for healing crystalline technologies with the rare mineral device one that we were discussing, I think it could be a simplified version of, of something that perhaps is a holographic medical pod that also uses portions of crystalline matter to heal ailments, diseases, disorders. As crystalline healing, it basically is the new form of regenerative medicine for healing in our near future. And even now, people, healers are incredibly amazing. They work with crystals. They work with energy frequency, with the tuning forks. When you combine all of that together, it's amazing healing technology. It's already here, folks. Yes, yes. And uh, I will have on my show some, um, some uh, a person who is building a preliminary one of that. It's, it's very exciting. So we need to keep our eyes out for. It's not the super advanced Andromedan ones. We know that's probably a ways off, but... Uh, anything that uses color, sound, frequencies for the uh, benevolence of all. And as the founders and cedars stated, crystals are the most elevated form of matter. So um, that's a direct quote from the uh, founders and cedars. So uh, what would you like to add to that? Um, well, we also use them to power spacecraft, correct? Yes, yes. But I love crystal gems. I love double terminated crystals. I, cre I create my own wands. I create my own staffs with these crystals on top. And I use different colors, different shapes, double terminated, single. And I just interchange that with either having the, yeah, exactly. That's um, vocal crystals are so important because they have many facets. It's a clear Vogel that looks like a Vogel to me. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marcel Vogel created these. I use wood, I use clay, I use gems, I use crystals to create the wands that I hold in my hand and I heal the chakras, the body, the staffs to balance energy in my home and in the body. So I use multiple healing modalities that I create myself with the crystals and you, people can create a wand people can create with rosewood you can work with wood and put the crystals on the wood you can make a staff you can use natural beautiful wood that comes from Mama Gaia you can you pick it up in the forest entire uh, book you wrote mm -hmm. on crystalline yeah all of that too so people you'll want to check that out also mm -hmm. Crystal grids, the art of healing with crystals. And I also work with crystal grids to 
power the beautiful home that I have to protect my home to heal with the crystal grids. Crystals are so amazing. You can use them in multiple ways for healing, for spiritual upliftment. It's amazing. And also two million years ago, Antarctica had shipbuilding facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That utilized crystals. Yes. Um, I think that crystals provide an environmentally clean form of powering everything in creation. And two million years ago, Antarctica had shipbuilding facilities that built the Atlantean space arc ships, which utilized crystalline systems to power their ships because it's biological matter. Crystals aren't just solid objects. They are living entities in themselves. Crystalline healing is the new form of regenerative medicine for healing in our near future because these holographic medical pods, they're powered by crystalline systems, frequencies, and plasma systems as well. So it's frequency, it's energy, it's vibration, it's color, it's sound. It's all connected to the piezoelectric facets of the crystals. Mm. Beautifully said. Now, you wrote in your book that Professor Courtney Brown, one of the the Farsight Institute folks, has an amazing team of top remote viewers and did a documentary on what they saw in the research labs of Atlantis that sank off the coast of Antarctica and described the technological artifacts that are still there. And that documentary is called Atlantis, the True Story Revised 2016, full version, April 22nd, 2016. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I admire Courtney Brown. I think he's a fantastic remote viewer. And he's he's one of the trailblazers to have had a remote viewing done on Antarctica with his amazing remote viewers who are young people, just like me, exploring this beautiful history through the remote viewing Um, So I had seen that documentary by the Farsight Institute, and I would say it is quite accurate in what they described about seeing the crystalline Neuralink chairs through the remote viewing and how some of the crystalline towers on Atlantis had worked with their energetic components to use the tower's energies to reach the center of the Earth to extract rare resources like minerals from the planetary core that work had almost destroyed Atlantis at that time frame. So there was a lot of earthquakes, tsunamis as a result of that happening. Um, again, and it almost destroyed the framework of that time, especially the outposts that were in or near Antarctica. Crystalline technologies should be used with care and not for trying to mine the resources of planetary cores. You don't want to drill into the core of a planet that could hurt the living essence of the planet. Um, And it can potentially also cause the destruction of planetary systems, as well as destroying civilizations that are living on these beautiful planets. That certainly has occurred for us. And some people are so greed, false power driven that they rarely learn from past lives and which is why everyone having access to these holographic histories of this planet and other planets as well to learn what causes these disasters, 
will increase our learning curve exponentially and emphasize the importance of using these advanced technologies only for the benevolence of its citizenry. So all this ancient holographic technology appears to originally come from the Maldekians, Atlanteans, and the ancient builder races that inhabited Earth millions of years ago. Correct? Is that correct? And don't you think we should know about that in our schools? <laughs> yes, I definitely think we should know about it in our schools. And the elves were huge contributors to all of that stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, so it is correct. Very much so. The ancient holographic technologies and the crystalline crystalline systems that is part of this technology it did originate from the Maldakians, Atlanteans, the elves, the ancient builder races, bringing these advanced technologies to Earth several million years ago. And recently I discovered even longer than that, like 357 million years ago when the moon came here and was parked. That's how old that moon is. Um, And it has crystalline technology inside it in some of these labs within the moon. Um, So as for everyone having access to the holographic histories of this planet and other planets as well to learn what causes the disasters, only the ones with honest intentions will have access for now to that type of technology, not the negative ones that have sought to use these technologies for their own nefarious outcomes, greed being one of them, uh, they will not be granted access to it. I am so happy to hear that. And Noah's Ark was obviously one of these spaceship arcs to, that evacuated and saved people, most likely, wasn't it? Yes. What do you yes. think about that? So Noah's Ark was actually a metallic device. It was a kind of elongated cigar circular ship. And not only did it collect all the people, a lot of the people, there was four of these Ark ships. They were huge with their own domed habitats, like we were discussing similar except these are ancient, ancient, ancient. So they collected people, they collected plants, they collected animals. They also collected genetic samples of that, not just the physical beings and the animals, but everything genetically, therefore creating living libraries on earth when everything was repopulated. These libraries were reintroduced to this planet and it receded life again, restarted life on earth as we know it, helping us to be who we are now. Which happened multiple times. Yes. <laughs> gone, receded, gone, receded, gone, receded. And of course, some survivors going to the inner earth area. So speaking of arcs, that is fascinating. And I can't wait till people get to see that on the holographic records. How is the Ark of the Covenant related to this? So I think there was three of these Arcs of the Covenant, the colony Ark ships that contained the different species of ETs and stasis, animals, plants, and DNA banks in order to repopulate these planets if need be or to create the new life forms. The colony Ark ships can travel for thousands of years in hyperspace. They explore planets out of hyperspace as well. So they are the cedar ships that seed life on other planets and in different galaxies. So they are 
kind of like the arcs of the covenant. They are arc, arc covenant ships, or you can call them colony arc ships. They're huge. And again, they have multiple ET species working together to save animals, plants, create the DNA banks. And if it's needed again, they'll come here again. They'll be activated like they already have been, actually. Wow. Now, these arcs also had other abilities, correct? What are some other abilities? Well, these arc ships, they are like their own bioliving systems. It's sentient bio-life forms that could pilot themselves. They have sentient consciousness with this crystalline technology. So you don't treat these systems as just the computers because it's much more us humans were interacting, the galactic us humans were interacting with these crystalline essences and learning from them and actually speaking to them. As these crystalline essences are the living ships, the arc ships. Mm. Now, I I remember reading in your book that you had mentioned, which I found fascinating, the Ark of the Covenant uh, has a um, storage device housing a machine which can make mono food from seaweed. Will you, will you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So the original Ark of the Covenant acts like a storage device housing a machine which can make mono food from seaweed. And that's what the Israelites were eating when they were crossing crossing the deserts from Egypt going to Israel. Um, it's also like a weapon device in the ark that can destroy cities with the ultrasound frequencies with waveforms. It could shake the city and destroy it. And there's also another device that is used for sending and receiving communication data from the ETs. It's like a dial-up generator, and some humans can connect with this technology psychically and make it work. And some of these guardians who were protecting the Ark of the Covenant, they were able to connect with this technology. Um, there, there was also the mini pulse portal generators to open the teleportation portals wherever they wanted to go, they could do it. Uh, the colony ships that look like space stations were called Covenant Space Voyagers. And they had carried the Arks of the Covenants to Earth. That's where these arcs came from. I think that one of these Covenant Space Voyager arc ships may have ended up being stored close to the Temple of Solomon in Israel. And the first Ark of the Covenant is actually under the Temple Mound in Old Jerusalem in Israel. Oh, that makes total sense. And that can also, its uh, its many abilities could explain the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah being demolished and parting of the Red Sea. Now, in my research, uh, just like yours, the mana has been referred to, was used as a food source and be referred to as white gold alchemy as well. So what does mana mean to you used in that context as food? Well, I think mana can be used as food. It can be converted into food or it can be used as white gold as it has several different applications depending on how you choose to utilize it, what purpose, what function. Uh, The white gold um, in that form is to help heal and rejuvenate the body. Mana on its own as food is different than the white gold mana 
still gives nutrients, but the gold even gives more nutrients for the body to heal and sustain itself. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that for our audience, because many of us are taking different forms of white gold. Um, Now, you also went to Venus, one of my favorite planets, and activated this disk technology that you were describing throughout this whole show. So explain that and how that technology compares to Antarctica when you went to Antarctica on assignment. So basically using the Neuralink chairs that were in Antarctica and the disk technologies on Venus, the Neuralink chairs allowed me to see the historical events on different planets, timelines, and to physically open up the portal streams and travel to different locations on and off planet as well as to access information through the holographic interfaces that were connected to my Neuralink implants, which I don't have now in my brain. And that was inserted in my brain when I was, when I still had them in planetary corp. I don't condone them. I did psychic surgery to remove them in 2017. I no longer rely on anything Neuralink or nanotechnology to activate my abilities. I'm all organic and naturally working with my abilities, which we all should with our psionic abilities. Yes, and keep developing them. I totally agree. Now, the similarities between the Carpathian Romanian Sphinx and the Antarctica Atlantean outpost technologies, were those the technologies that are activated through consciousness abilities? as we were talking about? Um, Yeah, so almost all of the Hall of Records technologies had and have crystalline and holographic computer interfaces that allows beings to work with them even when there are physical components to those technologies. Okay. So the intent and the consciousness is always key, 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 key. Yes. So what specifically was your mission in Antarctica and why were you sent there? You had several missions, correct? Yes. So I was sent on several missions to Antarctica by the planetary corps, planetary corporations through the Mars Secret Space Program, quantum time leap dilation, time technology. It's done through that. Um, I was to study and catalog the energetic and physical workings of the crystalline Neuralink chairs that I had found in the Atlantean outposts. That was my primary mission of why I had been sent to Antarctica. And as a side benefit, I saw the blue beings in stasis, which I think are Andromedans and Pleiadians, and similar to what Jean-Charles Moyen has been describing, and Elena Denon as well. So I had been working on Mars with the Neuralink chairs that allow people to travel through the portals psychically with the mind, not physically. And this is similar to Rados and Mars experiences, where you get time travel through the mind, through this technology, crystalline technology found in Egypt and the Boseji Mountains, as well as in Tibet. So they also allow the person to view the past, present, or future events with mind time traveling. So those are the similarities. The Neuralink chairs can look simply like stone chairs, metal chairs, or gold, gold, silver. The person sits in it, and psychically connects to the neural link of the chair matrix, to the crystalline technology, to the gold, to the silver. 
The crystalline Neuralink chairs from the Atlantean outposts in Antarctica have the holographics on them that are coded for only those who have the Atlantean genetics in order to activate them. Since I'm an Atlantean descendant and I've had past lives in Atlantis, I was able to activate this technology. I've been a geneticist, a mermaid, a historian, galactic historian. So I've had those lifetimes in Atlantis. So when activated, these hieroglyphics on these Atlantean Neuralink chairs, they glowed this beautiful blue, bright blue, which means that the crystalline Neuralink chair is fully operational and activated because you're seeing all these blue hieroglyphics glowing above the Neuralink chair. This is why I love blue so much. (laughs) It's so incredibly healing. I have it in my artwork. I have it in, in everything, my clothing, music. I express things in blue light ray spectrums. I see in blue fields quite a bit. Um, So in summary, having several past lives in Atlantis, I had the coded genetics and the blue ray frequency to action, to basically be able to actionably access the functions of the crystalline Neuralink chairs in Atlantis. Mm, So great. Now, is this the same kind of chair that they had in the Romanian chamber where people consciously time traveled, not with their body, but with their consciousness and went back to see uh, Jesus or Yeshua's life and found out interesting facts like that he was no more than five feet, six inches tall, it said in the Transylvanian, which, you know, was probably common for that time. Are these similar uh, devices? Yes, I, I think they are similar type of holographic devices And also crystalline chairs, gold chairs, and silver chairs made from silver gold because those frequencies amplify psychic abilities. So if you sit in one of these chairs, you're transported consciously somewhere else. And these are like time travel machines. They're incredible ancient technologies. Having these noble metals that have these abilities is this one reason why gold and silver was so prized throughout history as jewelry and everything else because it yes activate yes it activates the body it activates the mind gold is also healing and so is silver when you wear gold filigree or silver filigree in crystal rings one amplifies the other and it creates a healing field around your body and your soul and it's very protective and healing Wow. Uh, I have one more question about Venus or a couple because I love that planet. And um, we know there are protective domes uh, outside and also that uh, people like Elena have been underground visiting twice. So um, when you travel to Venus, can you describe a little bit more uh, anything of special interest that you can tell us? about Venus that you learned about it back then? Well, I learned that Venus had been a beautiful, thriving, living world with a lot of dome cities made of glass-like technology, crystalline. And those dome cities still actually exist. But the beings, because of the catastrophes that happened there, they went underground. And they're blue beings, Andromedans, uh, 
Pleiadians, Arcturians, there's beings on Venus and there's councils as well that live there and they're thriving. They're living underground, but they've created living habitats with similar dome technology that sustains their life. And it has for thousands of years been this way. Um, and I had traveled to Venus as part of my experiences with descendants of the ancient builder race, the guardian Aenea, and I saw a greenish-yellow metallic circular disc that also had holographic components and allowed me to view the history of Atlantis, ancient Earth, Venus in the past when it had the lush atmosphere, nature, beautiful valleys, waters, oceans, and Mars. And it's related to what was happening to those planets about 2 million years ago and what had happened 500 years ago and during all these falls of the civilizations ever since, where the vibration has lowered from densities, higher densities to 3D. Mm, mm. It's such a beautiful, my memory of it is just so beautiful with crystalline cities and, and, uh, Incredible. And it had a cataclysmic event also, at least one, didn't it, on Venus? Yes. Yes. It was somehow like a waveform of of energy, of extreme kinetic energy passed by Venus. And it had asteroids that sort of pulled in. And this is what impacted those dome cities that destabilized the shielding and caused the cities to sort of fracture somewhat. They weren't totally destroyed because they're crystalline, right, material, but it did damage them somewhat. And tore off some of the oxygen, I would imagine, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what stripped the lakes, the oceans, because mm. it was a, such a beautiful place of warmth, of water, of, of energy, just so vibrant. It's still a beautiful planet. It's just mm. missing a lot of what it had in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll re-terraform that one too, right? <laughs> yes, it should be put on the list. Mars, Venus, Neptune, Mercury. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, my dear, we made it through all 47 questions. <laughs> well, yeah, and you had asked. anything else yeah. you'd like to add? Yes, you were asking me if there's anything of special interest that I could tell you when I was back on Venus so there is something very, very interesting. Again, when I was on Venus, uh, during its past, it had that lush, breathable atmosphere, clean oceans, lakes, rivers, lush green forests, grass, many species of vibrant animals and plant life had existed there. And some people remember past lives in Venus, and this is how they describe it from their past lives. Uh, the temperature was very moderate on Venus, like on Earth. Now it's hotter because it's hotter. Everything is heating up. All the planets are heating up. So it's quite hot there, but it's not unbearable. Beings still live there underground, not on the surface, but underground. So Venus at that time had not been an overheated planet with lack of an atmosphere or oxygen to breathe. It had full oxygen. It had beings on it, still does. And it still does have some breathable atmosphere because beings live on Venus to this day. It was such a beautiful planet with beings who had crystalline cities built on the surface of the planet. 
Now, of course, many of these cities are underground as well, since there was that cataclysmic event that happened on Venus, which stripped most of its atmosphere and oxygen from the surface of the planet. That's why the Venusians live in the underground cities and colonies, because like we were discussing in some of these places on the surface of Venus, it's a, too hot to build the new crystalline domed outposts. So that's why the cities are underground mm. and underground domed habitats where life can live and thrive. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Your voice must be exhausted. <laughs> for answering so much and in such detail. And I wish to thank you so much, Ileana, for your generosity of time, energy, and wisdom, and for transporting us through amazing images of what it was like when you were in these space arcs and in the ancient Hall of Records and all these magnificent places so that we can participate in a joint consciousness and move these things along with our intention and our memory of us being galactic humans. And I would like to congratulate Ileana because she just on my birthday this past month published on Amazon volume one and two called cosmic history of us galactic humans in the Milky Way and Andromeda galaxies. And I wanted to personally thank you uh, because there's an inside story to this that we will keep private. And um, it it was a dream that I had for uh, this information to be given to the public. Uh, And thank you so much for doing the work and the incredible compendium uh, of bringing forward all our favorite historical uh, researchers and correlating that data. So people, you're going to want to buy this and have it on your coffee table (laughs) for the entire family. So Ileana, go ahead and share uh, contact on where people can find your books, et cetera. Okay. Sure. So people can find me on my website, um, messages from a star traveler, uh, you can contact me through seeking the truth and reality at gmail.com. And like you were saying, these series of books, the cosmic history, us galactic humans, it goes from A to B to Z to and so on, starting from where creation comes from, how creation created other life, how the different species and beings, the founders and the cedars how they help to create us and see life on other planets. And there's so much information that I feel was missing. Like we had questions about Anunnaki, reptilians, the Sayakar. Like we, we, we each knew a little bit about that, but not the full history. So these books combine the history of everything, of all these beings and what they did on Earth and beyond and how they impacted us as galactic humans. So this new book series really discusses that. And then I have um, the Ileana Star Traveler books as well, about the SSP and human history and other things, and soul human evolution. So 
folks enjoying. It's, it's such an amazing different bodies of work to learn from. And there's also healing information about crystals in some of these books. So, yeah, and my YouTube channel is Awakening Cosmic Reality Show. Wonderful. And your website, again? Me- messages from a Star Traveler. <laughs> well, I am I am thrilled for your publications, and it brings me to tears. And don't forget to share my podcast page that I put up where all these shows We'll be on podcasts as you walk your dog or whatever for convenience, because we understand that some of these shows are long, but I didn't want you to have to wait to get this amazing information, cutting edge information. So thank you so, so much for your collaborative spirit and dedication to sharing what you know, Ileana, to be true in a very precise and coherent way. And I'm so honored to have you as a guest and get to know you better and appreciative of your vast soul experiences and what you have uncovered and revealed as a full-on researcher and cosmic experiencer and explorer from the L-Race. So thank you and all of you for joining in. I deeply thank all of you for your curiosity and your soul brilliance and keep track to receive notifications because we will have a couple more shows with very exciting surprise guests coming up for you until next time onwards and upwards. Take care. Bye-bye.